on today's Compassion Radio. What I actually try to say is that Ukraine are fighting for the whole Europe right now. We have the war with Russia since 2014. We're more than sure that even if Russia will win right now, it's not going to stop with Ukraine. Yeah. Are Ukraine going to fight to the end? I mean, that I know for sure. But with other help, we can stop the evil. Some people avoid conflict. Some create it. And others are a special breed who run toward it. Not to fight against, but to fight for real peace. Hello and welcome to Compassion Radio, where the frontline defenders of truth and light step into the darkness to show others the way out. Thanks for joining us today. On our previous program, we introduced you to Oksana Gorbanova and Tim Kalanen, two intrepid young people caught up in the sweep of history and unshakable in their faith. In six months, they've seen horrors that no one should ever have to witness and been salt and light in impossible situations. If you didn't hear the first part of that conversation, make a point to listen to the podcast on our website, CompassionRadio.com. We're going to jump back in today into this powerful discussion right where we left off. Now, both of you seem like you have the experience to say, you know, you're hope builders. You, you bring hope to people because you showed up. Yes, sir. And you're willing to, to do the risky things to help them where they are, whether or not they ever get out of the situation they're in whether or not they're facing death or might possibly die because of this conflict, that even in that, that Christ is our hope. And for those of us who do know the church and the body around the world who's been involved with in all kinds of conflicts and disasters or pandemics throughout the centuries, it always comes down to, is God really present or is he not? Yeah. And is the body present being him? And if so, hope is there. Absolutely. We know that because we've experienced it personally. But between the two of you, you have maybe some different methodologies, but you have some common experience now. Yes, sir. What are you seeing in your own minds that Ukraine needs most right now? I mean, I would say probably two different sides. Like the first things, physical and visible. It's, of course, we need help from other countries with the, uh, how do you call it, equipment? Yeah. Yep. Equipment. Yep. And actually, Ukrainians, I believe that there is more powerful ruffles than just the fire ruffles. And yes. I think the Ukrainians has that. I mean, I'm not even talking about Christianity right now, but mm-hmm. I mean about that spirit inside, you know, the, the faith, the hope, that unity. That's what I see in my people right now. Right. The unity from this every single little person. Like, I mean, I saw my eyes when the like old lady, her house like totally bumped, like in Bucha. Mm. She's living in a kind of a tent in her yard and she even cannot go inside of her house because it's still dangerous. The guys who's like checkpoints did not go there. Mm -hmm. So she cannot even collect anything from the house, but she's making bread every day and feeds the military and those who in need. And I saw like many samples like this. I saw the six-year-old that saw her mom being raped in front of her. I saw mom that speechless because she cannot tell what she experienced, what she went through. And it's just a single story that we know. I mean, for last week, so many civils being bombed during the night, just sleeping in their beds. The war, it's when the army is fighting against the army. Right. What we see in Ukraine is the evil against the humanity. I mean, that's what I can say. Because what they do and what I saw, my two Christian friends were helping to evacuate people from one village next to the Kiev, like 
like 20 kilometers, even less, like eight kilometers from Kiev, and they've been murdered to the death. And his wife, one of the guys, says two men from one family, she still did not get the braveness inside to look at the pictures of him. Because it just, there is stories and stories like this. And Mariupol that are closed right now because there is like hundreds and thousands of people killed and they're not even letting volunteers go in and take those bodies. Yeah. I mean, we still have list of people that from my request that I still from beginning that I cannot check them if they are alive or not. Because in Mariupol, nobody can let in and check if those people actually exist. And the communication channels right now are all basically down. If you get internet or yeah. phone, it's very sporadic. Um, I think what you identified, Oksana, about the idea of wars being fought between nation states is one thing. Wars being fought against people, a people group, or in a nation of citizens is not war. It is, as you say, an evil against humanity. It is unacceptable. What I actually try to say is that Ukraine are fighting for the whole Europe right now. Because yeah. Russia, we have the war with Russia since 2014. and. Right. We're more than sure that even if like, Russia will win right now, it's not going to stop with Ukraine. Yeah. So are Ukraine going to fight to the end? I mean, that I know for sure. Yeah. But with other help, we can stop the civil. That's... And that is the responsibility of nation states and those who have the legal authority or, or at least the uh, cachet within nation states and groups within on the international level to be able to provide lethal force to another nation state to try to stop an evil happening to the people. Obviously, we can't speak to that directly or fix the problem ourselves, but we, our prayers, I do believe, as believing people, can steer the hearts of kings and get them to work together to stop evils. Uh, Tim, let me jump to you real quick about your impression now, having worked in the middle of this kind of crisis, mm -hmm. and it is an ongoing crisis. Yeah. What do you believe Ukraine needs the most? Uh, I'm going to take a little bit of a different approach okay. than Oksana. Because even with me going into this whole situation, I knew that I'm not trying to pick a side. I don't have Ukrainian roots. I don't have anything like that. I knew there was a people mm -hmm. that are in trouble. I do know the Russian language. I am able to help. Yeah. And as a Christian, that's what I wanted to do. And so when I went to this situation, I looked at it more as, God, here are my arms. Here are my legs. Use me to help these mm -hmm. people in whatever way needs to be helped. So I ended up uh, more from that perspective. And every time I was talking to the churches over there, and due to obvious reasons, I cannot say which churches and what exactly we're doing. But every time I've talked to them, every time I've had any one-on-one -on -one conversations, the one thing they've always asked for, the number one thing they've mentioned before anything, before equipment, before food, is pray for our country. Hmm. That's always been, and even seeing this from a different perspective as being someone in the middle, we were literally less than a kilometer away when we got bombed, mm. you know? So when being in a situation like that, you stop living months ahead of time, but you start living day by day and you pray to God, will I make it to the next day? Yeah. And that's when our prayers start turning up to be a little bit more intense. Yeah. That's when our faith in God rises up. And that's when you see how much help really is needed with the people. Because when we went to go help to this city that I was at, We've got these list of, not demands, but rules that we had to follow, saying that if you hear a whistle, run towards the building as fast as you can. If someone is bleeding or someone gets shot, you know, don't scream, don't panic, raise your hand and someone will come to you. You know, just little things like that, like it helps you put into perspective that 
you are in the middle of all this. And the only way you can make it through is by God's mercy and through prayers if he will pull you through it. My job was to go and do it. Yeah. And I pray to God. Well, while you're waiting for God's mercy, follow the protocol. Exactly. I mean, you have something you can do in the crisis. Absolutely. This tells me from what you're saying about the reframing of what is important and what is life is that it goes back to, for me, the Lord's Prayer. The Lord's Prayer is not about the good days. Yeah. The Lord's Prayer is about crisis. So yeah. in crisis, how do you pray? That's what I'm getting from the Lord's Prayer now. So what does daily bread mean for you guys now? I can start with that one. Um, first, I wanted to go over there and help out with the medics since I am a surgical tech and I wanted okay. to help out more than wounded soldiers. But because of uh, some situations, they didn't know who I was, so they weren't comfortable with allowing me in there. So where they put me is into humanitarian help that I'm able to distribute food and basic necessities mm -hmm. to people that live underground, to people mm -hmm. that have their houses bombed, to people that aren't able to get that stuff because they have no mode of transportation. Yeah. And when I was over there, lots of uh, markets were shut down. Right. Lots of places where you would normally get your basic food like bread, rice, flour, peanut butter. Yeah. You, you couldn't get that anymore. And so I was with uh, a part of a church that did that sort of distribution. We'd get together. We would organize it into bags and send them out to families. But before we did that, we always got together. We prayed, we sang, and we begged God to protect us on the roads because we had a situation. One of the pastors that I was with, he said this happened right before I showed up. They were driving, and right in front of them, they got bombed. Took the road out. Huh? Well, yes, exactly. And you have a bomb blowing up next to your car. He's saying your faith what does it mean to get your daily bread? That's exactly what it means to protect you in that moment, to help other people that are in need, to get the basic necessities that we, as unfortunately for myself, that I'd normally take advantage of, not realizing that some people, like in this country, do not get this privilege of getting as much bread as they want. Do not get the privilege of getting as much clean water as they want. Do not get the privilege of getting just basic necessities to live throughout the next day. That's what that means for me. Okay, Oksana, when you pray, give us this day our daily bread, what does it mean to you now? It's probably same things that team said, but like everyday bread for me, it's not only a bread right now. I mean, physical bread. Like I understand. Food, I, mean. I know there's metaphors mixed up in this. We're not just talking, God, give us a cracker. We're saying, God, give us something. <laughs> yeah. But I'm just thinking right now, so like different calls and phone calls and, and requests, not like evacuation and all that I explained right. before I had. Even like yesterday, I got the message from one mom from Kharkiv that I helped before, like a month, even more than a month ago, because she has a seven months baby mm -hmm. and she's asked for diapers and food. And yesterday she wrote me, yes, she asked for help because she was neat again. She said, I'm crying because I don't have anything like even to cover her. There is no mm -hmm. diapers and food and I need at least something. But in most times of messages like this or like calls right now, Sometimes people just want to hear someone yeah. who cannot give advice, but just listen. Yes. Because sometimes it goes through things that I know people like when I go to Bucha and their pains that, you know, like team said, you got there and sometimes you cannot pray. Right. Because you don't have words. What you can say to a people who spent two months on the ground 
with kids and coming out or so something that you even cannot imagine in your head. So sometimes like for me, like everyday bread for some is just a hug. Compassion Radio will continue to keep bringing you encouragement from the word, inspiring stories from the front lines of faith, and awesome opportunities to make a difference for the kingdom around the world. But we need your help right now to continue doing just that. Friends, we're focused right now on the current crisis in and around Ukraine. I personally met with dozens of refugees and kingdom workers who ran to the front lines of need and have selflessly given of themselves completely, thoroughly, and as I saw to the point of indescribable exhaustion. I saw refugee and servant alike shiver in a vicious blizzard that struck the first week of March. They were very much alike in one important way. They were absolutely determined to survive this ordeal and to redeem what their lives have become. We need to follow their example. Will you help us today? We have blankets and food to buy, tanks to fill with gas, and medicine to help them survive the days ahead. This need is not going away anytime soon, even as this rescue operation rapidly sweeps the refugees farther west away from the fighting. Friends, really, we need you now to step up. Please, give generously, even sacrificially, right away. I know that God will be pleased if we do. So call us today at one 800 868 2478. Mail us at P.O. Box 2770, Orange, California, 92859. Text the word COMPASSION to 53445 or give online at CompassionRadio.com. Bless you, friends, for your brave and activist faith. And now, back to our discussion. So sometimes, like for me, like everyday bread for some is just a hog from the person you probably don't know or someone that like, yeah, it can be a bread. Or I remember um, in Bucha, I was helping my friends, Christian, to distribute food, the same thing from the van. And one lady came to me and she said, I have a son, he's a teenager, but uh, because of the stress, they spent two months in a shelter and of the bombing, he started to lose his sign. He cannot see and he needs a lens. Lenses. Lenses. So I brought him from Lviv, but this is a, it's not a bread. Yes, but it's something she was worried for because he cannot live the normal life after even like being out of that, you know? So mm. sometimes, it, you know, the request can be so, so from first sign, it seems like, really? I mean, this is what you need right now. But for someone, it's just so important. Like elderly people, they, the most elderly I met in the bombed villages. This is someone that wants someone to hold their hand and yeah. just hug and said, you are not alone. Mm. So this is every day for me. For her, it's everyday bread. If someone came and like brought the fresh water or clean water. Or... And you just melded that prayer with the scripture that says, you cannot live by bread alone but by the words that proceeds from the mouth of the Father. The things you're talking about are essential human needs, and you're yeah. being those. So you are being the answer to other people's prayers by showing up and seeing God answer through you. So I'd ask that both of you then, how has God answered those kind of prayers? God, give us today our daily bread. How has he answered it in your lives? Uh, for me, uh, I'm talking about this the last four months. I'm actually like, I see the miracles actually in my step. I mean, right from beginning, I started to run from Kiev. Every person I met on my way. When I came to the Warsaw, we used to live in an apartment where I was 26 people and 12 of them are kids. Wow. 
and I was trying to work. I'm still working, and it was so hard because I was traveling to Ukraine and back, and then you sleep four hours, and then you're trying to sit and concentrate on your right. work because you have a team behind your shoulders that you need to take care of. And then one of the volunteers here that I met, I asked him to help with an apartment, and there is, was a different situation here right now because so many Ukrainians moved to Poland. And we actually, by God's mercy, find a good an apartment that mm. moved with my kids. I have friends. I mean, some people are coming all the time, like right. from different places, and we, we're ready to host anyone. But like every single step, even having a job, still having a job, what many people are lost their jobs. I mean, it's a blessing for me. Yes, I'm working during the nights, but I have work. I mean, I have <laughs> jobs. And like everything, even with like having a car and helping with everything I did, right. I would not if I would not have a car. Okay, so what you're describing for you, Daily Bread, at this point is meant you have hands and feet that still work, you have a place to crash, you have some people around you to help take care of the kids when you have to make the runs for relief. Hey, buddy. Hi. Good to see you. And what are the ages of your boys, by the way? Uh, Age seven. And your other? Sixteen. Sixteen. Great ages. I've got a 13 going on 14 year old right now and a whole bunch of other older children, so. I understand the <laughs> dynamics of jumping large ranges of ages. And you obviously have people helping you with them because they can't go with you on every one of these runs. That is an answer to prayer to take care of your kids, too, along the way. Let me add something. <laughs> okay. I just got the answer to that question. Go for it. Like uh, the answer of my prayer every day, every day bread that God gives to me is like everyday life with all the system, all the details and all the parts that coming together. And it can be different from day to day, but we got everything to live. We have enough to share. We have enough to give others and we have what to do to others. So that's probably my answer. Okay. <laughs> you see yourself as part of a bigger body, which I think is something that Jesus was trying to work us toward anyway. Every time God answers your prayer, you see it as an answer when it doesn't just give you what you need, but it overflows to others. Okay, Tim, how has God been answering that kind of prayer for daily bread for you? Uh, for me, I'm going to expand a little bit on the fact of what I said earlier. When I said that we used to plan for months ahead of time. Right. And now being in this situation where my first night in Kharkiv, we got bombed, you know, and then that changed my whole perspective saying, what if that bomb reaches us and I don't live tomorrow? Right. You know, or what if I do live tomorrow? What will I be able to do to help other people? Anything that I can do to make sure that if it's to give out humanitarian food, then that's what I'm going to do. If it is to pray for somebody, then that's what I'm going to do. If it is to help take somebody out or or just to, like Aksana said, to just hug somebody because sometimes words don't go a long way. They just need to feel that they're not alone in this situation because I've had the same thing too. I tried giving people food and they're like, this is good and everything, but we just need to feel that someone out there actually cares for Ukraine, for the people that are here still suffering. But they're not forgotten. Yeah, more of my answered prayer to what it means on this daily bread is exactly what Oksana said, that that specific day, all the necessities that God gives us to help other people, Hmm. not only helps them, but it helps me as well. It helps me to have a more open heart towards people that are suffering. It helps me to have my eyes more open to people that are crying out for God. And I'm like, God sent me here. You know, they're crying out for God and I'm here 
I don't know if I told you in the very beginning, but I came to this completely blind. I had no family, no relatives. I knew three people by name, and I've never met them before hmm. when I went into this situation. So I went into the front lines, the very front lines where the bombings are happening without knowing anybody. And I said, God, use me however you need to. And that's why I helped grow with my faith on a day-to-day necessity, not knowing if I will even have tomorrow. Right. Saying, God, if you give me life for this day, you will also give me the necessities, the daily bread, quote unquote, to help other people and to help feed myself so that your church, your bride, your body can grow exactly how you said, yeah. exactly how it's supposed to. Okay, so the kind of life you're describing is to find the wealth, the uh the riches of God in the moment and discovering what is really important in those times. Absolutely. And not worrying about the other things. When you, when you come into a situation where maybe you've been around the church, around people of faith before, and it's kind of a part of your culture, or whether you've been very committed yeah. to a very fundamentalist kind of faith and you're very active in it. When you come into the kind of crises where God tends to really show up, like you've been seeing him show up and provide divine appointments yeah. after all, and be there to comfort those who really are suffering. All those people that I've seen do the kind of work you do have very little energy left to focus on what made them different from other Christians, and they're suddenly taking the Word of God very seriously. Not that they understand every nuance or have agree on every question about an interpretation of it, but yet you see it alive in people, yet exactly. you know it's serious, and you know it's real, and you know that God really exists, because... You were there to see it. Yes, sir. Obviously, the testimony the two of you will have coming out of this war will be one of God's story being written on and through you. Absolutely. I'm grateful for that. And I, I, I pray for the day when people like you will survive all of this and take the time to inhabit our pulpits and say, this is what God did. Don't forget this. That'll be important. If I could turn the table one more time and give you another opportunity to answer a question I think is really going to be important for us in the West. What do we really need to know about the church and the body and the culture and the people of Ukraine? Because I want to have people praying for it effectively, of course. And Tim, because of your background and the way you came to ministry and the way you came back to Ukraine, it's a long road, but you also have a deep love for and I think a mourning for the people's that you do know that are on the other side of this conflict. Yes, sir. So I would feel the same way if someone said, my country's involved in a war that seems to be unjust and people are suffering. I want to pray for the suffering over there, but I don't want to pray against my own people. That's the, the kind of the, the struggle that many Americans might even feel about global yeah. conflicts. So I'm with you there. I don't want to forget the people that are being tormented by the same war because they're on the other side of it. Mm-hmm. It's safe to say, I think, that the people of Russia right now are being deeply wounded morally and spiritually by what's going on in this war. And I don't want to forget them for that, but I don't want to excuse aggression at all. Absolutely. The country that you've been serving in has been absolutely, hmm. you're right, Oksana, it's evil against humanity. But I don't want to be proclaiming or demanding that God do evil to the evildoers either. But I don't want to in the least excuse what's going on at all. We have to acknowledge that evil is happening and to speak to it and call it for what it is and also love who God puts in front of us. So, the two of you, can you give me a message? What do we need to know about you and the work, the the body of Christ, the people of Ukraine, that will help us and inform our prayers going forward and our choices to get involved? You can run with that any direction you want to go. If we talk about church right now, as I said before, Christianity for me, it's always an action. Mm -hmm. And I'm really happy that 
most churches in Ukraine, and actually I, I can say all churches in Ukraine, have stood up. Hmm. And they write there, Amen. they're not hiding anywhere. They're not just saying somewhere in a comfortable place and just teaching everyone how to yeah. forgive or teaching everyone how to live or how to feed or how to help or whatever. So I'm happy that people I know, the churches I know and I deal with, they really active right now in that needs. Good. I mean, they do, they feed, they help, they, I mean, they do everything needed. So the prayer needs actually, you know, the normal way with all the humans and you can feel already that tiredness, like physical tiredness and emotional yeah. and actually spiritual when you lose the dear ones. And I can say by those families, my friends that lost two husbands in one family the first couple of weeks, you cannot teach a person who just buried the husband or the son or kids, you know, just write the spiritual words mm. and say how to give and no how words. to act. If you did not come and hug or help or show that love on a, you know, on the practical way. So I think for uh, the best, probably on my opinion, prayer for the Christians in Ukraine, it's to keep going, to support each other and, you know, to have that enough power inside go to the end. Hmm. I mean, whatever that end might be. Not lose the face, not be under the fear. And actually, I can say, actually looking into eyes of my people, I say Ukrainians, right. you probably saw the same. In their eyes, you don't see any fear. Hmm. I mean, that's even give you that courage to do what you do. The rest of my conversation with Oksana Governova and Tim Callanan is coming up next week. So please, plan to tune in then. Call us at 1-800-868-2478. Write us at Compassion Radio, P.O. Box 2770, Orange, California, 92859. Text the word COMPASSION to 53445. Or make your gift through our website, CompassionRadio.com. We need you, friend, so contact us today.